What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, I've got Fiona Von Gray from the band Von Gray. Instead of creating music for what I think other people are going to enjoy or creating things for like, well, what would be on the radio or what would be successful? Just be like, hey, what feels right? What do I enjoy playing? This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, we want to invite you to get involved in the charity our founders helped start called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the U.S. and globally. The top project you could help with now is in Cusco, Peru. There are 20 girls that the local government rescued but didn't have anywhere to keep them safe, so they put them in jail. The government has said that they're willing to give custody of these kids to the aftercare facility we're helping to expand now once we raise enough money and build an extra building there. To learn more, please click on the Child Rescue tab on our website, which is iCollective.co. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Fiona, thanks for making time. Hello, thank you very much for having me. So uh, yesterday we had a great episode with your sister um, and we talked a bunch about the three of you having this band together and working all these last five years together and and some of those results, whether it's getting on Conan O'Brien's show or the David Letterman show or playing big concerts like, you know, Bonnaroo Festival with 80,000 people or Austin City Limits, 450,000 people, those festivals Mm -hmm. and, and kind of, you know, achieving a level of success for being, you know, 18, 20, 21 years old. Um, I think one of the things that was really interesting for me when we were talking a bit before the show was talking about this idea of um, directing others and the role of leadership. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know you guys really take the business side of the music business serious. Um, tell me a bit more about what you mean as far as learning leadership. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, first of all, I, I think we have a lot of things and accomplishments that we are very proud of because of our project. But I think the one thing that we put so much focus on and is really the ultimate goal is to influence good in the world and to put our efforts towards things that we think are charitable or just positive towards forward movement in, in life in the way that we can impact others and, you know, how we can impact others to start an impact and start a movement. And so, um, you know, everything starts with motivation, everything starts with leadership. And that comes from within that comes from the realization of the intent that one has for life, and how that influences their actions, how they can influence other people to change their actions. So I think a big thing in any business or company or initiative is just to find within yourself good leadership, find ways to motivate yourself and then take those and push them out to other people and have them motivated as well. And I think that's always the best way to go in a business, um, regardless of, you know, what the point is for starting that 
business, it just, it's, it's always a helpful thing to have direction, to always have a reason and intent, something that's fully realized in yourself. So you can hopefully make that a true direction for a group of people. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about, there's so much that you guys do in addition to writing the music, you know, you've, you're making this iconic, timeless imagery, whether for Instagram or your albums or, or your, Mm -hmm. you know, your uh, music videos on YouTube and, um, whether it's scheduling out the, the tours and making sure that the details are there and having mm-hmm. enough content that if something catches on, you guys, you know, don't get left behind that you can actually take advantage of added attention, things like this. Um, with, with all those moving pieces, um, what does that look like? I mean, you talked about having defined intent. Within mm-hmm. the band is how much of this is written? How much of it is just shared conversation? We have, we know we have the same psyche. Like, what does that mm-hmm. logistically look like? You know, whether it's, you know, your manager, Damon Bauman, who is, you know, used to help mm-hmm. with Imagine Dragons and you, the sisters, and I'm sure yeah. parents and other people who are influences. Absolutely. What does that logistically look like? Logistically, when we try to just become connected and, you know, whether that's our intent, our goals for the week, things that we want to accomplish, you know, monthly or just creative ideas and feelings and emotions. It usually manifests in weekly meetings. And then, you know, through that, we have a document that will update that has sort and of is this like scheduled? Like, is this every Monday at 10 a.m. or is it just, oh, hey, we know we need to have a weekly meeting? Absolutely. We have a, we have a running um, group text where we'll just be like, hey, is everybody available? Yeah, like Monday at 10 a.m. Or, or whenever. So, yes, it's it's absolutely scheduled. And, you know, we all have our own personal lives and things that are going on. So we need to make sure to have a, an open line of communication for scheduling. It's very important. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty regimented thing. I would, I would say just so we're all aware of how everyone's doing, whether that's a personal thing, how people are feeling towards the project creatively, where people are at, where, you know, as sisters, it's, it's awesome that we have established and it's just natural to have such an open line of communication, but it's something that needs to be, scheduled and we all need to be held accountable for responsibilities that we have been allotted. And those are definitely things that have been written out and discussed time and time again, things that we all need to be accountable for. Um, so, yeah. yeah. You know, um, and I know there could be moving pieces with um, you guys are in Atlanta, Daylin's in LA and you're, I know she's such a fan of zoom and all the video, yeah. <laughs> video calls, right. Um, that document, I'm just, I know it's kind of granular, but like we're huge fans of Google docs at ideation mm-hmm. collective. What, what's your weapon of choice for something that's distributed to everyone? Yes. Daylin has definitely forced us to integrate into Google docs and oh, yeah. very, that she did because it's great to track changes and documents and um it's a very collaborative platform actually for people to use so yeah we use google docs all the time i you know i know there's a million other productivity tools but to me it's so simple because everybody's got a gmail or can get one in seconds and you know mm-hmm. you're typing on the same document and and then it's not oh which version did you get emailed well i got 1.22 but is that your right. 1.22 or her 1.22 <laughs> right um but uh you know, you talked about, um, well, we, we were talking about some different things before and you were talking about influences on the world. Um, mm-hmm. You guys have been working with Defend Our Future and uh, your mm-hmm. big event at Library of Congress. By the way, how cool was that? 
that was amazing. I think it was just such a cool experience all in all to be playing music there, to be part of an event that is really the catalyst for, I think, a lot of great movement in the environmental community, something that we were just so excited to be a part of. And the community there was something that, you know, we've we've never really been a, an official part of something like that before. So it was awesome. And, you know, just the beginning of our relationship with them. So I'm very excited to do more. I saw on your Facebook some, you know, both Daylin and your sister have talked about this iconic, timeless imagery kind of mm-hmm. idea. There's a pretty awesome black and white photo from you guys being there going up the stairs or something. I was like, that oh, yeah. totally qualifies, by the way. Um, well, listen, we're, we're always asking people about uh, our charity, Child Rescue, trying to prevent child sex trafficking and what would they do if they were us or things like this. Mm-hmm. And um, pretty excited to have you guys on. And we talked with your sister yesterday about this project where you guys are actually helping curate some of the messaging and, and actually making mm-hmm. product and, and this collaborative t-shirt with Haben Inc with uh, David Haben for that. Um, yes. Talk to us a, bit, a little bit about uh, why you personally uh, were interested in this project. Absolutely. Well, yeah, first of all, we were just so excited to become a part of some initiative here and be involved in something that's creative and something that we can incorporate imagery into a, into a very important message and a very important cause. And so for me, and I, I know Annika and I have discussed this before when we've gone to events in Atlanta to raise awareness for human trafficking and, and the level of that that's actually existent in Atlanta is, is you know, pretty um horrifying. It's just a very devastating thing. So um, just being a part of those, having met people who are who are survivors or people who have just been involved with others who have had experiences. And it's just such an important thing to to bring light to. And it's it's one of those causes that awareness can bring such great change, because if you're aware, then you can act, you know, you can know to not be a bystander, you can know when to point out situations and to catch things where you can actually make a huge impact in your own life with your own hands with your own mind. And so such an important thing for us to be a part of. And, you know, I've just met people through the years, who have shared stories with me. And it's really deeply impacted me. So I'm so excited to be a part of this small project. And hopefully that can escalate into more involvement. <laughs> well, we appreciate you guys using your fan base to bring awareness to this and get people involved in helping out. Yeah, we're very, very excited. So thank you for <laughs> letting us in. <laughs> um, well, I think we mostly have to thank Daylin. I mean, how great is that woman? I'm yeah. such a fan. She is amazing. So amazing. Super legit. Um, what I think is interesting is for me, like, so she does these huge things traveling around with Imagine Dragons and they're winning these huge, you know, biggest awards in the music business and all this stuff. And she's mm-hmm. like, she's just excited. She's just as excited to tell me about like uh, sleeping on a um, motel room floor because she wants <laughs> to be in the grind and she wants to help right from the, you know, she wants to help the whole rise. And like, Absolutely. she's like so hardcore passionate, right? I have so much respect for her and her appreciation for the hard work that goes into any project. And it's so easy to see some of these, you know, very successful acts and businesses, whatever that means. And you don't always understand what, where it came from and what that meant as far as work and how that manifested. And so, yeah, I have so much respect for her and her appreciation for the grind and, and what that really means and how grimy it it can actually be. Well, I, I, to me, I'm impressed that she's such a giver. I, the, you know, 
we spent years in LA. My wife's from Los Angeles County. We've got a number of friends and more on the Hollywood side and, and some on the music side. And there's a lot of, you know, making sure that we get seen in the right place at the right time. And there's a lot of people mm. angling for their own career. And she like really sets the example of being a giver and like giving first, Absolutely. At, but not like transactional, not with expectations. So I'm not surprised when all these cool things come her way. You know, I'm, I'm looking at a fun picture of you guys uh, with Alice Cooper, right? Everybody's oh, in all uh-huh. black, right? And, yeah. you know, when people are getting out there and they're getting after it, but they're like engendering that goodwill by scratching other people's backs first, no wonder mm-hmm. fun coincidences like this happen. Right. At least Absolutely. that's what it seems like. Um, well, one of the things that we were talking about earlier uh, before the show was talking about focus and direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we with some of our corporate clients that we do training for, we talk about this idea of like a destination definition. Like the more you know about where you're trying to get, the easier you can decide if you're on the right road, if you're using the Mm -hmm. right vehicle. Um, But when it's vague, you know, those decisions get harder because you don't know if that vehicle is going to get you there or not because you don't know exactly where you're trying to get. Um, Yes. And I know you're disciplined about like whether it's daily or monthly, but also the grander life vision, what, what for you, mm-hmm. what are some of the factors when you think about like the larger, the more macro, Hey, here's, here's mm-hmm. destination, like entire life wise, lifestyle wise. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such an important thing to focus on because you can get so stuck in like looking at these micro ideals and things you want to accomplish. But if you, I think for me, at least when I think about it, when I focus on the big goals, the things like, like life accomplishments or just, um, ideas that I have for what I want, what I want to do in my life and how I want to use this experience of life. It's, it's so important to, to look at that end goal and it doesn't bog you down in the negativities of not always accomplishing things daily or monthly or yearly. And so if you look at the final destination with just, you know, positivity and energy, usually the the steps will be sort of lined there for you in your periphery. And so for me, I think that's just exploration, adventure, um, goodwill, doing, doing good in the world and making an impact through the environment and through, um, you know, so many, so many different causes really that you can do with, with your time and with energy and with the right platforms. And so I think, yeah, I mean, I have, I have lots of different (laughs) things that I would like to accomplish in my life, but yeah, I think the biggest, the biggest thing is just keeping an eye on the adventure and the excitement and the ability to do good. Mm. You know, I'm interested in in getting to hear, um, you know, even though you guys are young, you've been at it for years. Um, how do you think growing up in the public eye has kind of been reflected in in your music now and who you've become? I think it's one of those things where you feel like you have attention on you for a sustained amount of time and you don't become desensitized. You become very appreciative of what that means and also what it means to just be yourself and to be confident in the moves that you make in life, the decisions that you make and doing true reflection within yourself to make sure you're happy and you feel like what you're doing is right because that will just reflect outwardly. And then if you go with confidence, you know, you will ultimately be satisfied. It's, it's an issue within yourself. If you feel like you're doing things wrong, there are things you can change choices you can make and a a perception of yourself that you can alter to make, 
to make life more satisfying. I think if that makes any sense yeah. for a takeaway. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in this thought of, you know, I think we all get these times when we kind of feel like the right thing to do is something else, but it's not what we feel like doing. Mm-hmm. Or it's it's easier to keep doing what we're doing when we think we should change to what we really ought to be doing. Yeah. Um, when it comes to when it comes to that choice between what you feel like doing or what's easy to do versus what you actually think you should do, mm-hmm. do you have any tricks? Are there? How, how do you get yourself to have a better ratio of doing what you think you should do instead of what you feel like doing? I think just focusing on instinct, gut feelings about things, um, always doing sort of that like practice of, well, what's making me happy and what actually, you know, feels like it's meaningful in my life. What, what is making an impact on me and people around me that's positive and just focusing on that constant reflection and listening to yourself and, and the instincts that you're being given from, you know, your unconscious mind, I suppose. It's interesting you talk about that. I think for me, sometimes I get a bit uh, achievement obsessed. And mm-hmm. So then I have the temptation to fill every waking second with a to-do item. Mm-hmm. And the discipline to slow down enough to reflect is maybe something I have to work on more. Me too, actually. I think I'm such a goal-oriented person and it's something that I find great satisfaction in, but it's also, it can become sort of like an obsessive productivity mindset <laughs> that can become sort of, you know, unhealthy because then you feel like you're not doing anything of meaning if you're not like ticking something off of a list. Yeah. Um, you know, there's actually some really interesting, uh, research that's come out, you know, now that we've got all these fMRI machines that can show what's happening in your brain. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there was these guys that were, you know, they were doing all their clinical stuff. What do you think now when you see this image, right. And they're recording what happens, <laughs> but what kept happening was parts of the brain were lighting up when they weren't supposed to be doing anything. And the mm-hmm. researchers just assumed that the machines were malfunctioning because I'm not having them do anything. Their brain shouldn't be active. Mm. And, uh, there's this great book called autopilot, the art and science of doing nothing by Andrew smart mm-hmm. that really goes into like how our brain needs uh, this quiet time to process all the mm-hmm. neocortex stuff that we're actively thinking about. And just mm-hmm. goes through like, whether it's Isaac Newton or famous poet, poets or just different people who have come up with stuff that nobody else had come up with and how, how often that was like on a walk in nature when that processing mm-hmm. finally came together. It wasn't like <laughs> scheduled time from 10.15 to 10.20 sit in garden. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. um, and But for me, like it's not I, – I think I had bought into a lot of the productivity bias of like wearing busyness as a badge of honor. And so this value, you know, having a value in what appears to be nothing like this, giving your space, your brain, the space to, to process, Mm -hmm. you know, where's my badge of honor for that? You just look lazy, right? Right. (laughs) Um, Yet how many of like the best decisions I've made in life, whether it's about being a dad or a husband or, or work decisions with partners have come Mm -hmm. during like quiet reflection. Absolutely. I was actually having a conversation with somebody a few days ago when we were talking about entrepreneurs and serial entrepreneurs and how it almost becomes something that they're proud to be like sleep deprived. And it's something that you sort of work towards instead of finding a balance. It's more of like, no, I want to always be exhausted and feeling like I'm just like 
like always grinding and there's there's a beauty to actually letting go of that mindset and to letting yourself breathe and it's so healthy to find a balance and something to be proud of yeah it's interesting right like i love these books cal newport has a book called deep work or stephen pressfield the guy who wrote legend of bagger vance he's got an mm-hmm. epic book called uh uh, well, he's got a whole series. He's got the war of art, do the work, turning pro. And they're mm-hmm. all about like, you know, putting your butt in the, in the seat, 9am, whether you feel like it or not. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And yet, um, that hard work, uh, I think for me at least has not turned into deep work in the past because mm-hmm. of email dings and, and I've got my cell phone on, so I'm getting text messages and it's, I'm not, able to get to those higher levels of creativity by sustained Mm -hmm. repetition, working on the same thing. And then also not able to get to it because I don't take time afterwards for like leisure and this calm, like this processing time, right. For quiet Mm. reflection. So I'm kind of like, I'm not getting, I'm doing, I'm busy all day, but I'm not doing deep work and I'm not letting my brain process. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm like, you can tell these are the books I've been listening to for the last two weeks. Right. (laughs) Um, I'm interested though, for you musically, um, let's start with some of the influences. Uh, you guys are kind of known for playing instruments that people don't expect from a rock band. Do you want to tell us Mm -hmm. what some of those are? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest is the integration of, um, you know, traditional classical instruments like the cello and violin and, um, even just some style of piano playing. And that's something I think that's pretty unique in more contemporary styles of music, especially when you're going into rock. And, um, yeah, I think that's been something that's very cool for us to experiment with the last couple of years is, you know, taking our classical background because we all started with classical training when we were pretty young, played as a quartet and as a trio at weddings and things and taking the mindset as well as that style of playing into a contemporary like form and, you know, melding that into something that feels cohesive and feels like it's very natural. It's been a very cool exploration for us and something that feels kind of unique. I'm really interested in that word you use natural. You know, I think there are certainly some folks that have, you know, they've taken a classical instrument and tried to mash it up with electronic dance, electronic dance music Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't always come across as natural. Um, Mm -hmm. What kind of principles or what kind of things do you think help it feel more seamless and less jarring? Mm, I think a big one for me is just instead of creating music for what I think other people are going to enjoy or creating things for like, well, what would be on the radio or what would be successful? Just be like, hey, what feels right? What do I enjoy playing? And when I'm melding, you know, whether it's a violin with an, like distorted guitar or whatever, like what, what do I, what do I want to do here? And if I were to just think about my wildest dream and something that feels so satisfying to me, what is that? And how can I make that a reality? And if I focus on that instead of what I think should be played, I, I think it always feels natural because I believe it the most. Mm. You know, as you were saying that it made me think about entrepreneurs and how often we hear that somebody's making a lot of money at something so then we start thinking, how can I have a business doing that too? Right. <laughs> Versus folks, when you're like, when you're building the kind of business that solves your own problem, where you would be the consumer, mm-hmm. it's so easy to verify whether you're hitting the mark or not, because you can decide if you like it, you know, yep. like I hate mustard, me getting into mm-hmm. the mustard business and like being the taste tester 
like this is going to be a terrible idea, right? Right. Uh-huh. And, um, and so this difference of, you know, people who are working on solving their own problem, um, they get that, the advantage of that feedback loop, right? For honing mm-hmm. things in. If if you're playing the music that you want to listen to instead of the music that you think the radio listener wants to listen to, you're such an excellent guide on whether whether you like it or not, right? You're like right, absolutely. You're, you're like the chief authority on whether you think it's good. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh I mean it can go wrong, right? When people get into something so um eclectic that they're mm-hmm. nobody else has heard about it or you know, you hear stories about yeah. Beck when he was like sweeping this sweeping the halls at the record label giving his mixtapes to the executives who are like this is just too crazy you know mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh. um but Absolutely. but then you look at beck sticking with it and where beck is now maybe it wasn't mm-hmm. the worst thing you know um yeah it's interesting this this idea of naturalness um like that level of flow it, it seems to take some repetition and some like you were talking about focus and direction before it doesn't, doesn't seem to me like it comes on the first pass. No, I think a big thing to focus on as far as direction and focus is if you're doing that towards a skill and like, like Annika said, the diversification and focusing on the right skills, if you know what you're doing and you feel confident in your ability to execute then you you can become natural and it can be something that just flows. You can do it with a purpose because you know you can achieve it because you have the right skills. You've put the focus towards improving the things that you care about most so you're able to achieve things that, that you want and you're not limited by um, your ability. Mm. Well, um, in, in closing here, um, when you think about growing an ability, mm-hmm. um, people ha- know the cliches of practice makes perfect and, and these things. Um, but for yourself, what, what type of practice is the practice that makes the difference or what, what insights do you have about gaining new levels of mastery? I think the biggest thing there is just finding the inspiration in practice instead of doing it to be better, find the ultimate goal, something that's going to be the most satisfying, whether it's a specific you know, for, for music, it would be like a specific kind of like etude or, or some scale that you want to practice or playing over songs that make you feel the best. And that will feel ultimately the most satisfying to build a skill through something you're driven by instead of driven by the end goal of becoming, becoming more skilled. It's more like, Hey, what does that mean for me when I do this for 10 years instead of a couple of months? What is that ultimately going to do for me? How is it going to impact me emotionally and focus on that? and the return that you're going to get internally. Hmm. It's interesting to me. Uh, you know, I'm this audiobook junkie mm-hmm. listen to one or two a week typically. And so I end up having a lot of conversations about books and mm-hmm. um, all the leadership training I did as a management consultant and stuff like this. And it's funny to me how unuseful the word should is. Mm. Like mm-hmm. I, I think about my own piano lessons when I was a kid, my mom was forcing me to take piano lessons for my aunt Norma. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think back and it was like, there were all these shoulds involved and it was nails on a chalkboard for me. And I remember mm-hmm. like later as a teenager, my buddy could play like ACDC on the piano or <laughs> these <laughs> different like rock songs on the piano. Uh-huh. And I was like, what, why didn't they have me practicing that? <laughs> like <laughs> this, this would have been completely different 
had I known that was a possibility. Um, mm. But I was practicing out of shoulds and the practicing yeah. sucked and I wasn't getting better. And my mom eventually said, if you get your, you know, the Canadian version of an Eagle Scout, <laughs> if you get that award, <laughs> you can quit piano. So like a month <laughs> later I had it. Right. Um, mm. I think that's really good insight of, you know, practicing for practice sake or practicing for shoulds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably not bringing the, the full benefit that you could get out of it, huh? Absolutely. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Just finding the reason why, not because you feel like you should or because someone else is telling you to find it within yourself to do it. Very cool. Well, listen, we appreciate the time you made for us today. Thank you so much. I always enjoyed talking with you. Okay. Thanks so much. That was part two of our interview. If you missed part one, please go back an episode and download the episode before this one for the first half of the interview. As always, please check iCollective.co for show notes of things referenced during the interview and to learn more about our guest. And if you're interested, we'd love to have you learn more about the charity Child Rescue. Go to the menu page on iCollective and click on Child Rescue. Thanks so much. Now is the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.